This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so. If you want to give us a call, it is toll-free. It's live. Uh, the number is one eight seven seven M. MPB ring, I think one eight seven. Yeah, one eight seven seven MPB ring, and I know it's kind of dreary out there. We've had a lot of rain this past week. My garden has has gotten a little bit over five inches since we were here last week. A uh, matter of fact, just an inch last night. So anyway, if you've got uh, wet weather blues, we can talk about that. If you've got some plants that need to be moved, it's going to be time for that as soon as we get a little cold weather next week. We've got plenty of stuff. Matter of fact, yesterday I went out and visited some garden centers. Um, I got me some violas, you know, the old purple and yellow old-fashioned violas, like little miniature pansies. I got some pansies, a few purple kale and some some white kale and some white dusty miller to kind of punch up the color a little bit. Some emerald green parsley, a few other colorful winter hardy plants. I'm going to put them in uh, small flower beds here and there. You know, I don't have time or the inclination to have flowers everywhere, so I have a lot of shrubs and perennials and things. But I have a few little spots here and there that wherever you look in my garden, you see at least one spot of color. So two or three little spots in the front yard and one or two in the backyard. So it just feels like there's a lot of color out there when there's really only uh, just some real small beds. But anyway, I'm going to put some in pots and, uh, of course, put a few in the back of my truck. I'm hoping to set some of them out this afternoon or or maybe um, tomorrow, get them settled in a little bit before really cold weather comes on next week. Um, you're going to have to pull a few summer things, though. I've got jewels of opar everywhere, zinnias and peppers and angeloni and okra, and, you know, stuff's going to freeze next week, but, you know, that's, that's part of it. Uh, also visited the folks out at Standing Pine Nursery. They're a wholesale place uh, that supplies a lot of the garden centers and florists with, with all sorts of stuff, uh, bedding plants and florist crop um, and their poinsettias are really, really colored up. They got re- just greenhouses full of reds and whites and speckled, and some are already showing some of the little, the little real flowers. Uh, you know, if you look down in the middle of those colorful bracts, those uh, things that we call poinsettia flowers, you see the real flowers right down the center. Really, really cool things. That's the kind of stuff I've been up to. Uh, this past week, I've had uh, a number of my fall-blooming chrysanthemums. I, I don't mean the cushion mums like you buy and use and uh, either throw away or pull them up next spring after they rot. But I'm talking about the old-fashioned mums, the morifoliums, the the ones that uh, you see all around the country gardens and small uh, towns uh, and in upscale gardens where people appreciate really, really cool, dependable stuff. There's a, it's a perennial mum. Uh, Different from the florist uh, chrysanthemum. And uh, the one we see the most often is a big, pale pink, almost lavender pink one. Uh, some people call it Country Girls. Her real name is Clara Curtis. But I've got uh, yellow ones. I've got burgundy ones. I've got white ones. I've got all the little button ones. Several different kinds have been collected from across the South. And uh, every one of them are absolute dependable late October through November, even if it gets really, really cold. So anyway, that's the kind of stuff I really enjoy having you know, you know, to sort of pick up my spirits in this transition we call autumn. Um, I've got a, uh, we've got a new system up here at MPB, and I've been told don't push any buttons at all. Just look at the screen and talk. And I see that we got a guy named Java. Is this this way you? I put a piece of paper over the button so I don't accidentally push it. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to go to Clinton right off the bat and talk with Reuben. Good morning, sir. How are you? 
I'm fine. How are you today? Good, good, good. A little wet, but you know, it's what keeps us from being West Texas. Uh, understand, understand. Yeah, I have one question. Uh, uh, I have some uh, dwarf yopon shrubs that are about a year or so. What, what, what kind of shrubs? Yopon. Yopon, gotcha. One of my right. favorites. Yeah. And they're in need of uh, you know, shaping up, uh, um, and it's getting cold. Yeah. Uh, would there be a problem with uh, with actually, uh, you know, trimming them? No, no. Yeah, you, uh, now, is this the little round ones or the big tree form kind? Oh, little round ones. Yeah, I, yeah. I got some. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, I've got uh, one in my front yard that looks is more raggedy than my hair right now. And, you know, <laughs> and this is a good time. Uh, you know, we don't want to prune stuff in the late summer or the early fall, but if you need them right now, they're going to be fine till spring. I've got to do All that right. this weekend myself. That's great. Thank you much. That's it. Okay. Okay. All right. Appreciate your call, Ruben. Thank you. Our numbers are toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. It is a good time to go ahead and eat stuff up. I, I will warn those of you who want to prune spring blooming stuff like azaleas and spireas and forsythias and even nandinas. You know those shrubs with the red berries. They're spring blooming shrubs. If you cut them out really hard, they go next year's spring flowers and possibly berries also. If you've got nandinas that get getting kind of leggy, you want to prune them back, instead of cutting them all the way back, cut out the tall stuff. You know, the, let's say you've got uh, some, some uh, stems that are head high. Reach down in the plant, cut them down to about knee high, and they'll bush out there next spring, and then cut some about waist high. In other words, just thin them out and leave a few unpruned. Uh, not only do you have berries the rest of the winter, but those that you don't prune now will bloom in the spring and have berries next fall. So this is a real good time to not bloom, prune uh, spring bloomers. Um, speaking of flowers, uh, last week I picked up an arrangement of uh, flowers from uh, my florist friend, Rick Whitley, uh, Robert Whitley. And he had put together some zinnias and cosmos in a, in a little arrangement. It's been a week, and uh, fresh flowers, grown up near Canton, is still perfectly fine. I've had to change the water a couple of times and keep it out of the sun in my cabin. But uh, while at the farmer's market down at the Jackson Fairgrounds last Saturday, I met the guy who grew the flowers. Had a real nice chat about them. Uh, sorry they're going to be cut down by cold this next week, but I'm just reminded that the best cut flower, the best butterfly and bee-friendly flower you easy to grow summer flower you can possibly plant from seed is plain old zinnias a lot of different kind of zinnias my favorite the kind of cut flowers the long stem uh they go by different names but the most common one is a variety a strain called state fair go to any garden center they've got on their seed rack all sorts of zinnias little zinnias and middle-sized zinnias and replete bloomers but the one with the tall long stems a mixed color singles and doubles called state fair they've been around for a long time they're absolutely dependable and uh, they will bloom all late spring summer fall and great butterfly plants great great long-lasting cut flowers we're going to go now up to madison and talk with jim hey jim good morning Good morning, Felder. What's up? I have I have for the first time a couple of banana trees in my backyard, and I want to know if I should cut them down before or after we have this freeze next week. Ooh, well, you know, you got to cut them down sooner or later. In the uh, it's uh, I would cut them down before because after they're going to be really slimy. I mean, nasty slimy. Right, and they're gonna right. be slippery. You try to pick them up, they're gonna slide down on your shoes. So if you, I go ahead and cut them down. Hey, what are you gonna do with them though? Are you going to just, I mean, you're going to cover them up and let them sprout back out or what? Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. How, how close to the ground should I cut the stem, and what should I cover them with or mulch them with 
over the winter. Yeah. Have you ever had banana flowers or bananas on it? No. I mean, okay. it's the first year. They, they were oh. only a foot tall when I planted them. Okay. Here, here's here's the deal. Bananas take uh, oh, 16, 18 months or so from when it sprouts until it makes flowers. As long as you can protect a foot or two of that stem over the winter, it gives enough head start next year to maybe flower and even have some bananas late in the fall. So what I do is cut them down to about knee high and just pile a bunch of leaves and stuff all up around it. And if we have a fairly mild winter, those those will sprout back out. If we don't, they'll sprout back out from the roots, but you'll just have foliage. So try to protect a foot or maybe foot and a half or two feet if you can. Okay, that sounds great. All right. I needed to know. Thanks, man. You bet, Jim. Thanks for calling. Okay, so far, two for two. I know how to answer those two things. I love getting stumped, though, because uh, there's so much about gardening that I don't know, even after, <laughs> how long have I been doing this? 1983, long, long time I've been doing this. Um, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know, and I love getting stumped because it gives me a chance to look stuff up and see. What, and, and also give folks a chance to call in and help me out with what you know. So if you've got questions about horticulture, gardening, lawns, shrubs, trees, flowers, perennials, bulbs, Potted plants, all that kind of stuff. Give me a call. It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. You're not gonna have many opportunities during the week to to talk to somebody who a doesn't know it all and not not embarrassed about it, but also not gonna try to sell you anything. So uh, if you need something, I'll recommend what I would do myself or what I'd recommend my mother would do if she was sitting across the, the, the desk from me here. Anyway, my bulbs are coming up. Some of the early daffodils like paper whites and uh, that sometimes bloom as early as Christmas. Uh, usually by January, we get some early paper whites. Uh, our friends up north, Minnesota and, and uh, Wisconsin and Vermont and places like that, they grow daffodils, but they don't have nothing in the middle of the winter like we do. Paper whites are about the best. Uh, when I was walking around this past week, I also uh, smelled a couple of things. Our sweet olives are blooming. It's an evergreen shrub that has tiny little flowers in loose clusters, a lot of times hidden down in the foliage. There's a white one, the old-fashioned one. There's one with yellow kind of golden uh, flowers, but they're intensely fragrant. I also smelled some Eliagnus, that shrub that you plant to hide a school bus behind. They have uh, fall fruits, and usually by Christmas they have little small banana-shaped perfectly edible uh, berries, but right now they're intensely fragrant. And not sure where the smell's coming from because it's hidden way down in all that crazy foliage. Hey, if you want to give us a call, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING, uh, we can uh, go to Jackson and talk with Phil. Good morning, sir. Hey, hey, how are you? Fine. What's going on? Good. Well, earlier this summer, I managed to sprout an avocado seed. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, so... Toward the end of the summer, I did put it in the ground, and this it came through. It, it's growing now. It's about 12 inches long, maybe about six or eight leaves on it. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering if it would make nope. it through a Mississippi winter. Nope. And if not, what <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, most of the time, they won't even make it through the winter on the coast if we have a normal winter. So uh, okay. they're they're extremely sensitive to frost. So if you want to keep it over, uh, Phil, I'd, you know, I'd... Dig it up, put it in a pot, and bring it in. Put it in a sunny Is window. That right? Yeah, it's just you know, it's 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 a tropical plant. You know, a, a, a hard frost will damage it. A freeze will completely kill it. It won't even come back. Okay. But okay. Uh, but it, it been fun anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was a long process as well. <laughs> what did you do the uh, the toothpick thing and all that? Yeah, did the tooth, yeah, did the whole toothpick in the glass, and uh, <laughs> my son and I watched it for I don't know how long. 
And, uh, you know, and it finally came through. So I didn't give up on it. It just it was just a long process. You know, Phil, you know, it's, it's as we everybody knows, it is a weird world. And grown guys sometimes need something simple like this to keep keeps our minds from getting too busy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good looking, man. Hey, let me know if it makes it through okay, but I'd, I'd definitely bring it in for you. Unless you just, you know, like the process, don't mind getting started over again. Well, I, I think I want to try to keep it, so I might just bring it in. I appreciate it. Good luck on it, man. Appreciate it, Phil. <laughs> Thank you, now. All right. Okay, now let's go to oh, a break, real quick break. And uh, we got a, a caller on the line. Our, our numbers are toll-free anywhere. you If you're hearing this and you're not on a podcast, you can. Well, if, you, if it's just during that hour, you're even on a podcast. Pick up a phone, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and me and Java Chapman are trying to make this party as calm as we possibly can. We got a really she matter of fact, when we come back for this break, let's do this little little special weather tune I put together for y'all. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing here at MPB. We'll be back more with the Gestalt Gardener right after this. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. I'm going to take a couple of calls that didn't play a really, really bad tune. Really, really bad little short tune. We're going to start out in Madison with John. Hey, Matt, John, how are you, sir? I'm doing good this morning. What's up? I've got, I've got a question about some trees in front of a house, um, and they're asking me to trim them back. And I wanted to ask, I think they're the pear trees, and I think, and they're probably pretty old. I could tell one looks like it's already kind of losing the middle. Yeah. And I was actually going to say, hey, cut them down. This is what he would say to do, cut them down. But uh, how much can I cut those back safely and to where they'll come back? Well, let me ask a back question first. Is they the Neighborhood Association? No, it's actually, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a home that, trying to uh, uh, the call is from the realtor i'm doing a bunch of repairs on a deck and some other yeah, stuff yeah and in the meantime hey can you cut these trees way back because you can't see the front of the house at all well you can and, but if john if it is one of the pear trees in you know, bradford type pears those things typically after 15 18 20 years they start to fall there's some older ones around but typically after Oh, 18 or 20 years, they start to decline. If it's not looking great, you know, rather than cut it back, I'll just cut it off and stick a new one out right beside it. That's a, a whole lot easier, and it's not going to look all boogered up. Everybody's going to talk about you. So if if it is a pear tree, I, you know, and, the, and, and if you're not sure, uh, you know, send me a picture of the leaves before they fall off, and I can I can help with that. But the pear trees are short-lived anyway. I'm pretty positive that they're pear trees. I've yeah. them up before, they're, and unfortunately. Yeah, they're, but, um, they're short-term. They're, they're designed to be replaced every every uh, couple of three uh, decades. Okay, and so when – could I then cut them down right at the ground? Oh, yeah. Or do I need to, like, work on the stumps and dig out stumps? No, I, ju- I, right I just – Right down to the ground and plant next to it. I, yeah, I cut down close enough to the ground where you could just mow over it next year because it will sprout stuff out uh, in the spring, but mowing will take care of that. And you can put something over two or three feet for either, either side of it. All righty, man. Uh, good luck on that. We're going to go up to Memphis now. Hey, Steve, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? So far, so good. What's up? Hey, 
I've got a space that I need your help with. We've got a fairly sizable concrete patio with a planting bed that's in the middle of it. Uh-huh. And I'd like to find a good tree that we could plant that would grow, I don't know, 20, 25 feet tall and have a, a good-looking canopy that maybe won't drop too many uh, berries or leaves or flowers. I've got a, I've got a perfect one for you. There's a lot of good choices. As a matter of fact, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, Steve, because we're having trouble with crepe myrtles, and you know whether yeah. people like it or not are ready to accept it. Uh, they're not going to be a tree of choice down the down the road because of this new problem we've got with them. So I've been thinking of really good replacement trees that are large tree-like shrubs or small, tidy trees. And one of the best, one of the sturdiest, most dependable that'll actually grow in that kind of restricted area uh, is called, it's a type of Siberian elm. It's called Drake, D-R-A-K-E, Drake elm. It's got a nice canopy. It never gets really, really big. And it's got the most beautiful model kind of orangey bark. So it's, an, you know, it's a nice little accent thing. But Drake, air, it, Drake is a type of Siberian elm, and they're small, really tidy trees. Is that, those don't get too tall? No, 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 no. It's not a regular elm. It's it's a it's a unique kind of thing. Now, if you want to go with something that's a little bit, um, uh, you know, my my favorite one's kind of boring a lot of people. But our native yopon holly, that's a tree form. Uh, you know, pruning up the tree. It's a nice airy. Uh, it's evergreen, but it's airy. It's not real dense shade. It doesn't cause a lot of problems with with leaf litter and stuff like that. But it's it's a nice one. You can also hang little reflective balls and stuff in the you know. <laughs> but uh, but the native the yopon the tree form na- yopon holly is another really good one that'll take not only dry conditions and, because you're not gonna be able to water this thing all the time, but it'll take the radiated heat from all that pavement in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Okay, good so the, good idea. And that wouldn't be evergreen then. Yeah, yeah, but it's a light evergreen. It's not a real heavy, dense type of thing. It's not going to cause problems, you know, dropping stuff in people's glass of tea. <laughs> that might make it interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I got Siberian elm and yopon holly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those those are, those are two. You know, right off the top of my bat, two two real easy ones. Okay. All righty, man. I appreciate the suggestions. Appreciate your call, too. Uh, we've got some things that are going on right now. I want to talk about some that are coming up, including a, a real fun talk up in Pontotoc this next Tuesday. But I want to do this cheesy tune I put together for y'all. a cold air to us you're warm and comfortable right now but as soon as the cold front gets here you're gonna be cold and uncomfortable cold front is a big old mass of cold air Coming in and replacing the warm air that's here right now. You're gonna be shivering. Gonna have to put on a coat because a cold front's coming. Yeah. Look out for the cold front. It's gonna make you cold. Weatherman <laughs> says it's 
Yeah, weatherman. Well, tonight it's going to get cold, but next week it's going to get really, really cold, folks. I hope y'all are getting ready for it. I've got my potted plants ready. I've got to pull a bunch of leaves out of them, make sure there's no lizards in there to hitchhike their way indoors. But I'm going to start dragging my potted plants in over the weekend. They'll take in the upper 30s, no problem. Especially if you live in town, it's not going to get as cold in town as it will outside because of uh, radiated heat. But next week, you're going to wish you'd brought your Sansevera and your hibiscus in. Start getting ready for them now so you don't have to do it all at the last minute in a big rush. By the way, I'm going to be up in, in uh, Pontotoc. Uh, up in North Mississippi this next Tuesday night. It's going to start at 6 o'clock. It's going to it's, um, it's gonna be at the community center, and it's free. It's, put, it's sponsored by the by the, the Garden Club up there. Um, anyway, November the 13th, Pontotoc, starting at 6 p.m., we're going to have a fun time. It's going to be cold, so, you know, bring your coat and stuff like that, but we'll be indoors where it's nice and snug, and, and we're going to be talking about gardening and having an a, a, a easy, good time. So look forward to seeing you all there. Also, the Mississippi Gulf Coast Camellia Society, a couple of weeks, is having their big camellia show, November 17th. It's going to be in Lyman Community Center in Gulfport. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But uh, coming up this weekend, the last workshop of the season at Tishomingo State Park. This is way up in the, the icebox, the northeast corner. Could be Alabama, could be Tennessee, but it's actually in Mississippi. Uh, November 10th. 10 o'clock to 11.30 at the Lodge. Learn how to make potpourri using debris and other trash from your garden. Uh, they can have gourd crafting, how to make gnome homes, gourd planters, baskets, mixed dry food, mixes in jars for gift giving. Uh, all the proceeds going to go to the Friends of Tishomingo State Park. And by the way, all the proceeds means 10 bucks. Cover supplies and refreshments. That's going to be at 10 o'clock to 11.30 at the Lodge at Tishomingo State Park this coming Saturday. Now, we're going to go to uh, talk with with uh, William, and uh, excuse me, Steve in Memphis. I thought we just talked to Steve. Steve, are you there? Oh, see, <laughs> Java, you push the wrong button. Java, I, I, I felt I've been hanging around. I've been hanging around you a little bit too much. You push the wrong we got, button. We have we have William in in Ellisville. I, I've been hey, you you rubbing off on me, man. <laughs> you took away all my buttons, and now you're taking over the. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to Ellisville. Hey, William, thanks for holding. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, my question is about, uh, you spoke about earlier, Ilya Agnes. Uh, I have a bunch of them, and I want to root some of them. And so do I cut the tips off, or do I cut the long runners off and make pieces out of them? What time of year? Do I do it in water? Do I do it in dirt? And so forth. And I was wondering, what is it? What is the plant sweet olive? I always call Eliagra sweet olive. <laughs> well, you know, Eliagra smells like sweet olive. They both bloom the same time of year. A uh, sweet olive is a sort of a generic. It's a big shrub. You know, you, you it almost not a tree, but it's like a big, dense, evergreen, generic, real nothing special about it kind of drug, uh, shrub. Except when it blooms this time of year, an uh, old-fashioned plant. Got you know, medium-sized leaves, evergreen. Really doesn't look like much, but it's really, really good smelling. Anyway, to answer your question about Eliagnus, in general, evergreen plants like azaleas, hollies, Eliagnus, in general, they root best in the summertime after the new growth comes out and kind of toughens up a little bit. Uh, deciduous plants like roses and crepe myrtles, they root best in the winter. But you would want to take not the tip-in stuff. When it puts out new growth in in the spring, William, if you'll uh, cut uh, off a branch and cut the floppy tip off, then, you know, somewhere the the new growth is kind of toughened up a root pretty well in potting soil, moist potting soil, um, 
Anyway, we, and we can do a little bit more with email for this, but in general, because they're evergreens, they'll suck themselves dry if you don't keep them humid. So what I do is I, I mix up some potting soil, uh, stick a whole bunch of cuttings in a pot, and then put a little plastic tin or maybe the uh, big cola bottle, uh, plastic cola thing with the bottom end cut off like a miniature greenhouse, keep the humidity up like a, and uh, that that works a lot. So we're looking at late May, June, July. That's the best time to root pieces about four, five, six inches long. All right, thank you very much. It, it, it's not. It sounds complicated, but it's not. If you'll shoot me an, uh, uh, an email sometime, I'll be glad to help you. Ain't no thing. Uh, thanks. Okay, appreciate it. Okay, folks, we've got uh, 30 minutes left to talk about gardening, 30 minutes of talking about yards and gardens. Now, for the next uh, a couple of minutes, I want to play something that was recorded here in the studio. It's because I was raking up leaves last year and thinking about doing some, some composting. I'm not a com- I used to be a composter, but now what I do is I just pile stuff up and let it happen. And it brought to mind an old cowboy uh, poem about where do cowboys go when they die. And I thought it would be appropriate to turn that into... Where do gardeners go when they die? We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener uh, here on MPB right after this. Where do the gardeners go when they die? What is reincarnation? A gardener asked his friend. His friend replied, Well, it happens when your life has reached its end. You see, they store your tools and they roll your holes and they clean your fingernails. Then they bury you deep in a compost pile, far away from life's travails. You start to melt down in that leaf pile that you are inside, and later you're put in the garden and just beginning your transformation ride. Well, in a while, some rain's gonna come and fall upon the ground, till one day on your lonely little spot, a little flower will be found. And say a slug should slide by, and graze upon the flower that once was you, but has now become a vegetative bower. That little flower that has been eaten by the snail becomes everything essential for its shell. But some he's consumed he can't use, so it passes through, and finally it lays there on the ground, this stuff that once was you. And then say that I should wander by and gaze upon the ground, and wonder, and ponder, on this object that I've found. Well, it sure makes me think of reincarnation, of life and death and such, and I walk away concluding that, friend, you ain't changed all that much. Folks, that was a flashback. I don't know how many of y'all remember my producer, Jonas Adams. Anyway, he did a great job of that. Java, you know, you got the jive and all, but he's got the compost thing. We've got us a couple of callers on the line, but before we do that, let me mention this. Uh, when I visited uh, a couple of friends of mine, Cecilia and Bill Wardlow, they're Jackson gardeners. Cecilia takes care of the, the plants and stuff at Greenwood Cemetery, the roses and all. You know, I was photographing their stone waterway. They made it where when water runs away from their yard, it runs real quick. So they made little pathways aligned with stones, and it looks good even when it's when it's sunny outside. It's uh, it's just a rocky waterway, that a drier wa- waterway. It really helps a lot, but <laughs> they had a pair of flamingos in it, and one of them had his legs duct tape on. And, and somebody said, think about this, duct tape on flamingos. 
And uh, one more thing, Jive, I've got to mention this. Um, my son, I was at my, my, my daughter's birthday party the other night. My son, who's 30-something years old, he's a lawyer. He came up with a terrible idea for a program called Law and Order. Law and Order. No, I like that one. Okay. Um, uh, we need to get Dick Wolf on the phone. Well, we, uh, we, we, we need to come up with some, some – t- We suggest some of the things that were suggested was, uh, was uh, program ideas. One would be episodes like Mowed Too Close, People Who Mow Their Grass, or how about this Crate Murder – and I told those that, that sounds good, man. We might have to get on it. Yeah, here's one called "How about Murder She Root?" <laughs> well, Angela Lansbury, when you need her. There you go. Anyway, hate to break the news to to my son Ira, but he sounds like he's on track to end up with his own bad dad jokes. Just saying, son. Now let's go to uh, to Benton, Mississippi. Talk with Cindy. Hey, Cindy, thank you for holding. Hey, howdy. I have a question. I'm wanting to make a natural wall. Uh, the neighbor, there's a that dog wire fence, so I thought about the Illy Agnes, and I wondered how far away from her fence we would need to plant it so we could cut in between, and then how far apart they would need to be. And is that a good idea to use Illy Agnes? Well, it's, you know, I have a hard, I can't tell, uh, see any difference between a good, bad idea and a bad, good idea. <laughs> but Illy Agnes is a... Not a good idea for that because they get huge. They want to be huge. And in order to keep them even medium-sized, you have to prune all the time, all the time. Mm. And so I would go with something, uh, uh, you know, that's going to stay more compact. There's a plant called ligustrum. You probably heard of ligustrum all your life. You know, you can put uh, wax ligustrum uh, four or five feet apart and they prune into the nicest, dense heads. They get pretty white flowers in spring, but they'll stay prune. They, they, and they're fast-growing, too. So if you put okay. them four or five feet apart, and the day you put them in the ground, believe it or not, cut them back to about knee-high, that'll make them bush out, and all that new growth will run together between the plants the first season. Okay. And how far away from the, the latest fence that I don't want it to get up against where I can put one, make one little swoop with my zero turn? Oh, well, you're going to have to put it at least, I'm going to say, four or five feet out, you know, be, okay. you know because, okay. because, they, you know, they go around. Well, let me, th- okay. let me throw out something else. In the meanwhile, if you get some little small plants, see if you can find some, some, some cheap wax ligustrum, you know, dig a nice little wide hole, put them out there, cut them back to knee high. But in the immediate long run, is it bothering you from where you sit or just the idea of it bothering you? Uh, it's it's an older couple, and uh-huh. we're not sure who will be in there next. And gotcha. We just kind of wanted privacy fence started. Okay. <laughs> if you'll go ahead and get you some small ones. And by the way, put some mulch or a clump of monkey grass or a brick or something around it. So, because if you ever hit the trunk of those one time with the string trimmer or the mower, that'll booger them up for the rest of their lives. So make sure you never hit the trunk of these things with the, with the mower or anything. But, okay. you know, if, if you were standing out in the sun and the sun was in your eyes, you would hold one hand up and just block out the sun with your hand. You know that okay. idea? You could mm-hmm. do that closer to your house by getting a piece of, uh, you know, this lattice. You get even plastic lattice. Turn it sideways and put it on a couple of, pe- couple of posts and put it up close to where you live. This, that will block out the whole neighbor's house just a few feet out from your deck or your window or something, plant a vine on that. So you can have yeah. instant shade, uh, uh, instant privacy by putting up something closer. Uh, it's, it's called a baffle. It's not a fence. And, you know, you can have it where it's three feet off the ground, just turn sideways. But that'll give you instant uh, privacy yeah, okay. well, while your shrubs grow. 
Yeah, well, we have, it's an 80-acre plot, and they have an 80-acre plot, so we have a lot of room. And one more question. A Confederate rose, uh, uh-huh. I got a little bitty one out of somebody's yard that just came up way away from their big one. I put it in a pot. Uh-huh. It's just like three or four leaves on it. Will it will it be okay in that pot till next spring to put outside? It, it will be. Keep it inside, though. Inside. Yeah, okay. and and if it gets it, what's going to happen over the winter time? It's going to get leggy and stretchy, and when you, if you put that out in the spring, the, all those leaves going to sunburn and fall off. So uh, when you get ready to sit out in the spring, go ahead and cut it back to a, a couple of feet or so tall. It'll bush out and grow a whole lot better. But when you set it out, be sure to cut it back. Okay. All right. Good luck. Hey, if you need yeah. some more ideas about this, you know, I, I understand. You, you you know, again, a group of plants closer to your house can block off more than a whole bunch of stuff way out there. Just think about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is way off from our house anyway. Well, yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, Cindy, appreciate it. And, again, shoot me an email if you if you have some more questions about that. Thank you. And uh, the number here, folks, one eight seven seven mpb ring Again, I'm going to be in Pontotoc this coming Tuesday night. It's going to start at 6 o'clock. We have a lot of fun. It's free. And uh, it's going to be cold that night. So let's get together, huddle together, talk about gardening, cheer each other up. That's the way we, we roll here at MPB. Uh, our number is a toll-free one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, our, to- our email is garden at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Brandon to talk with June. Hey, June, thank you, ma'am. Thanks. I love the show. Oh, appreciate and I you. Certainly, oh, yeah, and I certainly appreciate it today driving to Atlanta and all this rain. Oh, I, I'm just so thankful for your show. What? Well, I have two questions and one uh, other comment. Uh, the comment is, uh, well, the uh, weather report song has won the cheesy song, <laughs> the cheesy music. Man, I, I got through it. It was good. I liked it. I've got my more. Question, <laughs> <laughs> my question, uh, one, is the gentleman that rooted the uh, avocado. Mm-hmm. I have done that a couple of times and many efforts, many attempts that I didn't. But uh, do you recommend the large avocado seed or those little small avocados to, to be able to root better? Well, as long as, long as the fruit is ripe, the seed should sprout. You know, and okay. and it may be, so, you know, and I'm not much of an avocado eater. I go to a place where they peel it and mash all sorts of stuff in with it for me. And so I've never really done it myself. But it may be that there are different varieties. Some have bigger uh, avocados than others, you know, different varieties, just like with pecans and apples and tomatoes and stuff. But, you know, if the fruit is ripe, the seeds should sprout. Okay. Well, try, get you an avocado and just. Uh, you know, cut it in half and just eat it like uh, eat it like an apple. It doesn't even have to be all the way right. Now, the other question that I have is: uh, my daughter had last summer raised uh, monarch butterflies, and she did the little uh, uh, guff fritillarius or yeah. whatever. <laughs> fritillary, fritillary. Don't make it complicated. Fritillary. That's right. Um, and and are you, dri- are, 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 you, are you driving right now, or is somebody else driving? I am, but I'm not around any traffic. Okay, okay, okay. Keep yes, going. Keep you, talking. Thank you for thank you for considering. <laughs> You're just getting too um, cheerful here. <laughs> well, um, so what my question is uh, now: um, getting more butterfly plants 
for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the maypop plant or the um, passion plant right. is a little fritillary one. Right. And the other one, I forget what it is, but would you plant those bushes now? Well, I, get butterflies next year or what? The, okay, first of all, the you know the the maypop or passion flower is a native plant. You can set it out anytime you can find one. Matter of fact, I've got one sitting out in my front yard in a pot. I hadn't gotten around to planting yet, but you know it's a it's okay. a good dependable native plant, and you can plant it anytime you can find one. As far as the uh, the the butterfly milkweed, the Asclepias is what they call it. There's a whole bunch of different kinds, including some native vines and some native perennials. But one of the very best, the absolute best for 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 the the monarchs and for gardeners is called tropical milkweed. Uh, it's a it's a perennial on the coast. It'll make it some of the time, you know, in in Brandon, but but it's really easy to find in garden centers in the spring, and it'll get head high or more. It blooms nonstop. It's got pretty little red. And yellow flowers, and uh, it's it's by far the best garden plant for uh, milkweed, and blooms along it as great plant. But uh, I'd wait and plant those in the spring because if we have a hard winter, they might freeze. Okay, in the spring. Thank yeah, you but so it, it's much. it's called tropical milkweed, and uh, so. And by the tropical way, you may milkweed. yeah, you may hear from some people say you shouldn't plant it because it causes problems. Well, they just don't know what they're talking about, and I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, I saw a. Uh, T-shirt, uh, and it said, got milkweed. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It's got the it's got the caterpillar on it. Right. Yep. Thank you so much. Okay, hands on the wheels. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> oh, give us a call, folks. 1-877-MPB-RING. 877-MississippiPublicBroadcasting. R-I-N-G, RING. By the way, this uh, theme song... Uh, was done by a fellow who lives on the Gulf Coast. I'll get your name for him in a second. But this particular verse is played by a fellow named Thomas Grillo. He's a thereminist. Theremin is the only instrument you play by not touching it. And this is a duet that Thomas Grillo did of our MPB, the Gestalt Gardener theme song, on two theremins. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after this. Welcome back, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. We're talking about gardening here in the Deep South. I appreciate all you folks who listen by way of podcast. I get emails from all over the country from folks who, uh, who is, you know, the truth is gardening is the same. You have different seasons, different plants, different stuff, but it's still all about digging a hole and sticking something in the green side up and hoping for the best. All the rest of it, nothing but finesse, just like composting. A lot of people right now are uh, notice they got a lot of pine straw in their in their yards. There's not much you can do with pine straw that rake it up and put it up under your shrubs or bale it up and give it to a neighbor whose dog is shivering out in, in the cold and needs something warm to lay on. But when it comes to regular tree leaves like oaks and sweet gums and things like that, if you rake and bag, it's your right as an American. And if you voted, you got a right to do whatever you wanted to do. Well, you had a right anyway, but shame on you if you didn't vote. Anyway, if you mow the leaves, the mo- the leaves break down and, and recycle 
Earthworms come up at night, they forage around, they pull the stuff back down deep in their holes and fertilize, recycle nutrients. So mowing the leaves is the best option by far for the lawn, for the trees, for your back, for the environment, everything. But if it gets to where you can't see the grass anymore, you've mowed the leaves and you can't see the grass anymore, then you can rake or mow or blow, but put them up under shrubs, under, under your trees, uh, you know, do what you can to keep from bagging them because uh, bagging just goes nowhere. If you want to have a compost, but don't feel like you want to know about carbon-nitrogen ratio and, and a bioactivation and turning and aerating all this. Just make a leaf pile. If you've got a big enough yard to have leaves, you've got a big enough yard to put a leaf pile someplace. Uh, if you want to mix green stuff and brown stuff together, that's more better. But if you just pile stuff up, if the neighbors complain, make a nice little sign that says earthworm crossing and stick it out there and just make people feel bad that they're not being as good as you are. Uh, mow as much as you can. And when you can't mow anymore and you can't see the grass, go ahead and use them as a mulch or get your leaf pile, compost pile. It's an easy way to go. It's a lazy way, but it's also a smart way. Uh, let's go up to Walls, Mississippi, which is almost to Memphis, Tennessee, and talk with Larry. Hey, Larry, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What's going on? You know, I got a uh, problem with my neighbor and the fence. Uh, our yard sits higher than their yard does. We uh-huh. have a fence. Yeah. My wife has got a big, big, big garden all the way around the house and everything. But anyway, alongside that fence, we uh, always mulch. We put up about nine yards of mulch every year. You're going to be able to climb over that fence before it's over. Yeah, and what the neighbors are complaining is the mulch, because we use the dark, is staying in their grass. <laughs> so alongside the fence, I put pavers that were, you know, probably six, eight inches tall, you know, to alleviate some of that. But it's still doing it. And now they're complaining about the fence wood rotting. Yeah. They say it's my fence, but I don't know whose fence it is. Have you ever had that issue? And how do I tell whose fence it really is? Well, you know, you need first of all, find out who paid for it to begin with. And that's a good start right there. That doesn't solve it, but that's a good start. By the way, have you pointed at your neighbors that you're above them? You can look down on them anytime you feel like it. If I look over the fence, yeah. <laughs> Metaphorically, you look down on them, too. You know, so it's a good thing. But as far as whose fence it is, um, you know, w- w- when someplace, if you don't know, your wife's going to know where the paperwork is. It has the survey. That'll, okay. that'll show that kind of thing. But also, if you can find out who pay, Also, which way is it facing? Who sees the pretty side of it? Because I would be well, willing to, you know, that has something to do with it also. That's uh, what I was told, and so that's why I was wondering. Actually, uh, I see the pretty side of it, and they see the wood backside of it. Yeah, that doesn't really solve it, but that's a good thing. You know, the other thing to do would be to, to offer to plant some little shrubs on, on their side of, 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 of y'all's fence. And, uh, you know, just tell them not to worry about it. You know, lighten up. Life is complicated. But, you know, this right. is, what, what, who is it said, uh, love your neighbors, but keep your fences? Right, and, and good fences make good neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but uh, and one of your, your neighbors saying it's not such a good fence, uh, I'd find out who's, you know, for sure whose it is and, right, you know, the right. property line and all that. You know, there's a couple of other things you can do. Uh, one would be, hmm, you know, this is a, there's a lot of different options we can go here to keep the stuff from, from, from staying in their yard, but the truth is, from a legal point of view, there ain't squat they can do about it. Just you don't want right. to be that kind of neighbor. No, I don't. And actually, we don't. We don't have any words about it. They just ask me, and I try to appease and do what I can with it. Yeah. 
I just don't know what to do with it any longer past that point. Of course, with the mulch, you know, it's going to hold the moisture, and it's going to rot those plants sooner or later. Yeah. I had the same problem. What I did with, with mine, it, and my, my leaf pile is up against my na- and it's my neighbor's fence, but I put a fence, my own fence boards on my side of it. What I did was I put down some, you know, you, the, the sheet metal that, that, that you use, uh, you know, long, oh, it's like a foot wide, and you get it by the roll. I put some of that along the bottom of the fence so my leaves are piled up against it, and you might want to consider doing that, you know, just the, the stuff they, you know, where the, where the, uh, you know, go to a big box store where they have those rolls of, it's just real flimsy sheet metal. It comes in rolls. Yeah, like about, flashing for a roof. Flashing, that's right. If you put some of that along the, you know, pull your mulch back, put that along the bottom, it'll not only keep, you know, your mulch on your side, it'll keep from rotting the fence, but at least it, make sure if you do this, you do it in a way where they see you doing it. Right, right. Because that well, goes a long ways. Yeah, that's a lot of work digging that mulch up because we've had the house for 10 years, and I put out, like, nine yards every year. Yeah, that's a and, lot of mulch. Uh, Do you buy the mulch or you get a local tree surgeon to, to provide it for you? No, I buy it, and I spread it, and I, I'm telling my wife, why did we ever do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's like painting a fence. Once you paint a fence, that means sooner, sooner or later you got to repaint it, so you shouldn't have painted yeah. it to begin with. If you can, right. you know, th- think about getting some of the stuff that could be just slid down along the fence into, you know, right. down a little bit. And, you know, that that might help a little bit. If nothing else, it'll make them, you know, let you know that you care, even yeah, if you, even if you don't. I, I put in, I said, listen, I'm putting these along the fence, and, of course, I got a thumbs up, but it, it's still doing it, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. if you could pull the pavers back and just slide this metal down, you know, it, that's that's two things you've done to help. And if that, if that ain't enough, you know, you learn to ar- get your wife to arch your eyebrow at them. <laughs> good. I love it. Good looking. Hey, shoot me. An e- this is an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Shoot me an email so we can, so I can get a little bit more thought on it. I will. Thank you so much. Okay. And I do appreciate you. Okay, appreciate it, Larry. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, good neighbors and fences, Java. You know, gardening is there's no horticultural emergencies, but there's some garden issues. And Robert Frost is the one who said that good fences make good neighbors. Yeah. And I forget who it was who said, uh, love your neighbors, but keep your fences. So anyway, folks, there's going to be a few things coming up. Uh, if you have some events that you'd like to help me, like me to help you promote, uh, especially coming up next year, shoot me an email anytime. I've got, oh, three or four emails I haven't caught up on this past week uh, uh, from people who have gardening questions. Some are very timely. Some are just general, like when can I move this and all that. But shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. We'll be glad to answer those kind of questions. But if you have events coming up, again, garden at mpbonline.org. I would like to direct some of y'all to my personal blog, felderrushing.blog. Uh, this week, forgot what I wrote about. Oh, oh, about plant swaps, about the, the about the plant swap in Mobile and the plant swap uh, up in Flora. Uh, anyway, a little information. Got some pictures on there, but it's uh, I don't sell anything on my blog. You can't even buy my books on my blog. But if you'll if you'll go to uh, felderrushing dot blog, you can learn about the benefits of artificial grass and what to do with an old gnome. You know, little things like that. Stuff about the pickup truck that was rescued and refurbished and all the stuff planted in the back. It's just a fun little thing. Not much how-to. If you're looking for how-to, that ain't the place. If you just want to have a little fun, feldorushing.blog. Appreciate it if you click that little thing that says follow. Because that way, every time I do something cheesy, 
you'll get a little note about it. Now, before you go, Felder, let me jump in with my question. Yeah. Since we're hitting our, like, I think Monday is supposed to be maybe our first frost or something, yeah. is it is it an ex-nay on new, new plants and, you know, is it no. over with? No, no, no. Matter of fact, I got a whole bunch yesterday. I've got kale and, and parsley and and uh, pansies and all, there's all sorts of stuff that light, that don't grow in the summertime. They only grow in the wintertime. That I'm about to set out, and they, they the colder it gets, the better they look. But not avocados, like the guy who called <laughs> earlier. <laughs> no, it's it's time to start cleaning those things up, get the lizards and the leaves out of them, to start bringing them in, because that's what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be making room in my in my little cabin, got a little sunroom to bring my potted plants in, starting over the weekend. Otherwise, it'll be what typically happens. I put it off and put it off, and then they're starting to freeze. I got frost on my my eyebrows, and I'm dragging stuff in at the last minute, lizards and all. So anyway, plenty of stuff going on. Hope to see some of y'all this coming Tuesday night in Pontotoc, Mississippi. It's between Tupelo and and Oxford, uh, north of Crawford, you know, if you're up in that way. So anyway, uh, it's a free program. Look forward to seeing y'all. And and again, this weekend, Tishomingo State Park, Saturday, 10 to 1130. They're going to have a thing about making potpourri and other stuff from from nature's bounties. Uh, the Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producer, the laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman, foreign greeter today, has been Michelle McAdoo. We appreciate her doing that in there. I'm your host, Felder Rushing. I'll be thinking of all of y'all this weekend. I'm going to get out, plant a few stuff, neaten up my garden, get ready for the winter. Hope you and your gardens are faring well. If you get a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market or a garden center. Go out and buy a little sack of bulbs to put out or a pansy or something like that uh, so they learn early on how to do what we do best and that's get dirty see y'all next week Support for the Gestalt Gardener comes from Atmos Energy, with a reminder to call 811 before starting to dig to get underground utility-owned lines located and marked. It's free, it's safe, and it's the law.